My name is Matt Brown. You know what's the real fight? What's the real money fight is me, not these clowns that you already punked at the press conference. And let's start the show. Backstage, I'm standing fight off everybody. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. And it's the year 2023. We are rocking and rolling with our first ever UFC podcast, expanding our horizons and adding to our repertoire. We are talking about the top MMA league in the world uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun talking all things UFC 288 coming out of Newark, New Jersey. But before we get into that, before we introduce to you our first ever mixed martial arts slash MMA show, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com and don't forget to check us out on the world of social media on Instagram at Productive Conversations podcast, Twitter at Prod Convo Pod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations, and check us out on Facebook, Productive Conversations, and also look me up, Matt Brown, digital creator on Facebook as well. As you know, we are trying to add to our repertoire. We're trying to grow this brand. We're trying to hit all different subjects and talk about all different things. And the next thing on our to-do list was talk UFC. Obviously, UFC is the number one combat sport league in the world right now. You know when a big when a big UFC fight is happening. Twitter blows up on a Saturday night. People go absolutely nuts. They try to watch the matches in the bar. They try to go on crack streams to watch the match. Or I should say the fight. They like to, you know, go on TikTok and find live streams. People love the UFC. So why don't we see if we can cover and give our own opinions and insight on the UFC. So we created the Productive UFC team, the Productive MMA crew, and our first member of it is our associate producer, Alex DeJesus Dolo Ren. He produces all of our content online, all of our social media content, and he is the biggest UFC fan I know. And on top of that, he is also the biggest boxing and Bellator and Everything combat sports, Dolo knows something. Dolo is the biggest combat sports fan I know. So we're going we're gonna to light the spark with him as we create our first ever combat sports team. And the first thing we're going to talk about is UFC 288. So the headlining main event is going to be Sterling versus Sehuto. They're going to go at it for the Bantamweight Championship. Again, this is taking place in Jersey, about 25 minutes from my Jersey City apartment. And it's going to be much, much hype. There's going to be a lot to talk about. And why don't we 
see what we can do with this. So for the first time ever, we're talking UFC on the Productive Conversations podcast, and we're going to talk about it with Dolo Ren, a.k.a. Alex DeJesus. So Alex, it's your turn once again. Welcome back to the show, and let's talk all things UFC 288. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. And just one disclaimer, as much of a big sports fan I am, don't really know too much about UFC. I'm definitely aware of when the big matches are happening, and I'm aware of what's going on, and I know how these fights and matches work on a rules level, but again, there's a lot for me to learn, and that's why we have Dolo here. All right, let's start the show. All right, everybody. Let's do this. For the first time ever in the Productive Conversations podcast, we are covering the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship. We are expanding our horizons, and we're going to have a lot of fun with them. Our first UFC event, we are covering UFC 288, coming out of the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. We have a bantamweight championship. We got fighters going off fighting for legacies and it's simple it's about to go down so introducing the first member of the productive mma crew he is one of the producers of this podcast alexander de jesus aka dolo ren let us start our ufc coverage what is up dolo great to see you our guy matt brown how you doing bro I'm fantastic, you know, just tired, but a, but a blessing, a real blessing. Despite being tired, we're still grinding. You know, you are my main man in this. We are growing this brand, and um, this is actually a really good day for the show to try something different and uh, adding to our repertoire. You know, we've obviously hit the MLB, the NFL, the NBA. Oh, yeah, you know. We've it. hit golf. The Oscars. We've covered major world events. We've had drag queens and comedians and entrepreneurs and OnlyFans models and so much more. You know now we're adding UFC to our brand, and this is exciting to have you be a part of it and really leading this way, man. That's how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Ooh. Hey, all right, cool, cool. You bringing the fire? That's what's up. Hey, man, we were just well, a few things, a few things off rip. Glad to be back, you know. I, yes, I, I I really been camera shy for a long time. You know, there's been you know a few moving pieces, moving parts in my life, so you know I haven't been on camera as much. But you know, it's good. You know, always good to be back, man. You know, it's always good to you know chop it up with you. Uh, of course, you my we guy. Just, oh, absolutely, man. We were just chopping it up too about about you know the reels and the views and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, we've. Just you know, in less than a year, man, we we've been we've been doing some damage, man, in a good way, in a good way, man. It's yeah, around five hundred thousand views since we started, um, since you came on in August, across all our platforms, and only growing from there. This is really exciting, man. And uh, look what we're look what we're accomplishing, and this is only the beginning, you know. Man, it's you know you you know. I, I, I kind of set you up. I don't know how you want to put it, but either you set me up for the alley-oop or I set you up for the alley-oop. Either way, we're hey, scoring man, we, points. We both at it, man. One day I do the alley-oop, one day you do, one day you're D-Wade in that picture, one day I'm LeBron and vice versa. <laughs> That's it's a only, fact. <laughs> and it's only going up from here. 
So why don't we move to a new chapter with the show? And as I said, for the first time ever, we are covering the UFC. Obviously, the UFC is as big as ever, and it's only growing bigger. And now it's time to add this part of our combat sport. I'm sure we have the wrestling sports entertainment, but now we're getting into some real fights, mixed martial arts, and obviously the number one mixed martial arts company in the world, UFC, and it's our time to now cover it. So as I mentioned, this Saturday, May 6, 2023, the UFC is holding their next event, UFC 288. Sterling versus Cejudo is your headline Coming out of the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And as I said, the uh, big main event, which we'll get into shortly, Aljamain Sterling. He is the champ. He is the reigning Bateman. Yeah, it's Ban. Sorry, Bannerman. It's okay. Let me restart this to help you with the reel, too. Go ahead. So we have the Bantam Weight. One more time. We have the Bantam Weight. Championship, Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. And we have some other matches in between there. But before we get, we start off with the main event and we give your predictions. Talk to me about UFC 288. So as I mentioned in the audio portion, and I'll mention now, I love the UFC from afar. Huge admirer of the sport. I haven't followed it too much, but I'm always, it's, it's hard to not know when a big UFC event's happening. And now this is a chance to really expand on it and and uh, learn more about it. And that's what you are here for as we hopefully grow this team as well. But here, one thing I want to add right there, um, as you say that, when it comes to like, you know, mixed martial arts, even boxing, you know, sports like that, um, you'll find some diehard fans. You'll find some fans that, you know, that will know every little thing about the sport, you know, every undercard fighter, you know, fighters and you know, kind of minor league MMA companies. When it comes to, you know, being new to the sport, you don't even got to worry about it, bro. A lot of, most MMA fans are very welcoming to, you know, new people joining the sport. You know, you know, we, we, we love to, you know, talk about fights all the time. You know, when we're not talking about them, we're watching them. And it's, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to, you know, get this started with you. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it becomes a thing. And, you know, we get to some, you know, deep analysis as as one will call it there is no doubt about it dull and we're gonna have a lot of fun so the way we'll we'll go through the big fights of the main card talk about some other mma news and what's going on and before like i said before we first get into our main event talk to me about ufc right now what's going on what are the big what, what where is this company going Obviously, we had the last big event was huge. So a lot of celebrities in the building. Again, I don't remember what happened. This is where mm-hmm. you come in, but I know it was a big deal. Um, the next one, which we'll cover in early June, Amanda Nunez. I know she's one of the big deals in the women's division. She has a big main event match coming up. But what else is going on with the UFC and Dana White? And what? Um, and where? Where is the UFC going? I should ask. Well, the UFC. It's well. If we're talking about the last event, I think we're talking about John Jones versus Cyril Gunn. Yeah, yeah. That was it. And um there was an event recently with um Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal, which is funny because Gilbert Burns is fighting on this card coming up as well. Um, you know, it's less than a month. I believe that was the last big main event, but the last real one that everyone was talking about was the John Jones and Cyril Gunn one and Man, that was that was a hell of a fight. 
I I honestly, to to be completely honest with you, um, you know, me and Matt, we talk about you know sports betting all the time and stuff. You know, even even some of the reels are based on predictions and stuff. But uh, when it comes to MMA, I'm very confident with my bets, and you know, me and Matt have talked okay. about that before. Um, I got the John Jones and Surreal Gone fight wrong. I got mm-hmm. it wrong. I, I'll admit it on camera. I got it wrong. Uh, my thinking behind it was, well, John Jones was coming off a re- off a pretty long retirement. I believe a three year retirement, the same as same as Henry Cejudo. I believe it was three years. Um, some maybe three to four, but either way, about the same time as you know, as Henry Cejudo has been retired at this point, and and you know he was he was going from light heavyweight going up a weight class to heavyweight and to be honest with you john jones's transition into heavyweight has been well documented on his part you know he's put up a lot of instagram clips and a lot of reels and you know a lot of a lot of posts you know showing showing himself just lifting weights and deadlifting and putting on all this all this mass and all this muscle and we were seeing more of that Less so than, you know, the technical striking drills that we're used to seeing from him. And it was, you know, to me, it was a bit misleading because sometimes you can go down that road as a fighter where you start putting on a lot of weight. You want to put on a lot of muscle. You change your routine and you you don't stick to what got you there. And I, I kind of assumed that was going to happen with John Jones and Surreal Gone. Not just not just that, but also the ring rust, you know, that plays a factor. And with his with the previous outings when he fought, um, what was his name? You know, like Anthony Smith. Uh, trying to think of the last person he fought too. Um, give me one second. Yeah, you know second. better than me. And, and um, you know, I'm as a casual, I'm definitely aware of John Jones and his impact. And now with his return, do you see him sticking it out for multiple Apologies. years at this point? Apologies for the for the interruption. Dominic Reyes, you know, I, I try to get these names right, you know. <laughs> we're gonna step into this, so I, I want to get their names as perfect as possible. You know, um of based off um I'll get back to your question in a second. But um, you know, just based off the previous outing with you know Dominic Reyes, and even Anthony Smith, and you know, and you know, those guys before, I just felt that John Jones was on a decline in general. Just I just felt in general he was on a decline, and I thought he was going to come back on that decline when he faced Surreal Gan, who was who admittedly had just lost to Francis Ngannou prior to the John Jones fight. Mm-hmm. It, it it didn't turn out how I wanted. Surreal Gan is is an elite striker. Yes, regardless of what's happened. Um he's an elite striker. He's a guy that's been proven, you know, a guy that came right into the UFC, you know, a guy that's great at kickboxing, that trained with Francis Francis Ngano and everything. But um when they met, when John Jones and Gan and Gan met, it was I couldn't even say it was fireworks. It was just a quick showing. It was just a quick night, night, put them to sleep kind of match, you know. Um, what we found out when John Jones fought Surreal Gan was that John Jones didn't miss a step. He's he's the same fighter that he was when he was younger. 
you know, when he used to call him chicken legs and everything. Uh, Why they call him chicken up, legs? It was always it, it's it's a running joke in MMA that like John Jones can never put muscle on his calves. Like his his legs have always been very skinny. So like really? they always like yeah, it's, it's been a running joke in MMA, along with like you know the cocaine jokes and like oh, the the PED jokes and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, John Jones came out you know after a three year layoff, after dealing with some of the biggest criticism in the game, you know with the whole domestic violence case with his wife it, it was nasty it was nasty and that happened on the same day he was indicted into the hall of fame for ufc you mean inducted inducted yes thank you <laughs> boy indicted <laughs> right yeah uh got my mind messed up either way um he could have been indicted but either way that's another story um he he, he was going through all of this stuff you know with previous outings not going as good as he wanted but still squeaking by with the wins uh, he came back and it, it's like none of that ever happened within I think two and a half minutes of the first round Surreal Gan tried to throw some jabs you know try to throw you know some crosses he he threw a cross I believe and then John Jones is able to just slip it go around it catch him you know catch him bring him to the ground drag him across the cage and I think he put him in a rear naked choke I believe yeah. it was a rear naked choke. And then Surreal Gan is, he, he went to sleep for at least like 20 seconds and woke up like he didn't know where he was. Insane, you know? man. What these, what these athletes go through, they really take a beating for our entertainment. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I know I got on a tangent with John Jones. It was just incredible to see something like that. You know, that's that's kind of like, it's kind of like how Michael Jordan came back, you know, won a champ, <laughs> I'm back. left for a few years, then came back and won a, an, another three. You know, yeah. that's that's legendary in sports. That's 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 one of those accomplishments that you can't really match. It's that's an overall sports accomplishment. So John Jones proved he's probably the greatest fighter that ever lived. Uh, uh, maybe not ever lived because who knows it could have been giants and you know Genghis Khan is probably a crazy fighter too but we're mm-hmm. talking about in the modern day UFC MMA John Jones is undoubtedly undisputedly the best fighter that ever lived in the modern day really so he is the Muhammad Ali of this whole sp- this whole promotion I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, Ali was Ali had his faults, but John Jones kind of. I, I, I like the comparison, Matt, but it's it's it's. it's well, that's it's what you're here for to lead one. me. But that's a okay, controversial well, one. We'll say John Jones is top ten greatest UFC fighters ever, to, no matter the weight class. That's a fact. Uh, well, also other things that happened. Jorge Masvidal retired. Um, like I mentioned before, Gilbert Burns and Masvidal fought recently, like in the past month or so, and. And, you know, Masvidal was dealing with some, with some, I guess, uh, with a criminal investigation. He He's facing charges, you know, battling it in court against Colby Covington, a guy that mm. he's had beef with for a long time. That's also one of those nightmare matchups for anybody in welterweight. Um, yeah, Masvidal was dealing with a lot of stuff out of the ring, out of the octagon, and losing his last um, match to Colby Covington. 
which is ironic enough that, you know, he was probably going to lose another match in court against Colby Covington. Uh, he fights Gilbert Burns. You know, Gilbert Burns is is not too old, but he's like 35 years old. And MMA is, you know, more and more, more and more so you see guys starting to fight up into their 40s, 42s and stuff. And even in other companies, you know, you got guys, you got MMA guys boxing at like 50 years old. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> Still getting a check, so you can't be too mad at it. Uh, yeah, man, might as well if you could do it. And I guess the last John Jones question before we get into this event. Um, you mentioned here in these notes that he might be his next fight might be coming up soon. Can you talk to us about John Jones's next fight and what's being speculated or what's being seen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty much uh John Jones has recently came out. Uh, he recently came out and said that if if he fights Stipe Miocic, he's more than likely gonna. Well, if he wins, if he beats Stipe Miocic, which is another guy in heavyweight that's that um I believe currently has no no no. He lost about to Francis Ngannou, then Ngannou retired, and then the John Jones bless you. And the John Jones surreal gone fight was for the vacant title. So John Jones has the belt now. Um, whereas Steve Miocic had it like a year or two ago. Um and Steve Miocic is still one of those guys in heavyweight that could that could get the belt on any given day. But now that John Jones has a strap, it's to be honest, I, I don't see I don't see um, Stipe Miocic winning that fight if that ever happens, but we'll get into that. Um, either way, if he beats Stipe, he says he wants to retire. Okay, so, John Jones, but... Yeah, John Jones. Do you think he should? Does he have anything else to prove? Or just, no. So no, maybe that- one more match, retire on top of the belt and... Go off in the sunset. You'd like to I mean, see that. arguably, arguably, you could say he proved everything when he beat DC because Daniel Cormier, aka DC, uh, he was a guy that had the belt, had a heavyweight belt. Also, in the past few years, I know it sounds kind of confusing, but in the past few years, the heavyweight belt has went from DC to Stipe to Nganu, now to John Jones. It's kind of wild, but um, but uh. You know, Daniel Cormier was a heavyweight champion as well. And John Jones beat him twice. So, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of people would say that he had nothing to prove already. This is more like adding, what does LeBron say? He's like adding toppings to the cake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something yeah. like that. He's he's in LeBron status, you know. and But he's technically undefeated. He John Jones has one loss in his record, but it's like a... It's like a fluke loss. He he lost because he did an illegal move. He was beating a guy up, but did one illegal move and he got disqualified. So it's 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 there. The one is there on his loss column, but it's like invisible. It's like a the biggest asterisk you could put next to a loss. Um, Interesting. All right. But in that same vein, he also has big asterisks next to his wins against DC because he he popped for some type of PED. Um, when he when he fought DC the first time, and I believe the second time, no, the second time he did, first time he popped for cocaine. Um, John Jones has a lot of things in his history that, you know, certain people will say, oh, how can he be a, a pound for pound number one? 
if he took steroids. You shouldn't even be on the list if you've done performance enhancers. Right. It's 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 muddy waters because it's not it's not a straightforward thing. Yes, he did do PEDs, but whether knowingly or not knowingly, it was found in his system at a very microscopic tiniest level that you could possibly find a particle in. The way that the USADA um president put it on the Joe Rogan show, he said uh <laughs> he said it's like finding it's like finding a raindrop in a swimming pool. So it's well, like that's the amount of PDs they found in John Jones system. Now the really? caveat to that is that Chael Sonnen, what you know, another fighter, another legendary UFC fighter, has explained how steroid cycles go. And mind you, I'm not trying to discredit John Jones for anything. Um, just kind of going into more depth into what we're talking about. And all credit to John Jones. All credit to everyone that goes into a ring. Either way, uh, time for the truth. So Chael Sonnen, he 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 was explaining how steroid cycles go. It's like you you do steroids, right? You do them for like whether whatever steroid or PED it is. You do it for you do it in cycles. So you'll do it for like two weeks and then not do it for a few weeks and then do it for another week and then don't do it for a few months and then do it for another few days. And it's like you do it, you do it while you train to get the best enhancement from it and then you weed it out your system. What some people are now the reason for me saying this is that some people are alluding to the fact that, oh, just because you found a teardrop, a raindrop of of PED usage in his in his blood system, that doesn't mean it's like an accident or something minuscule. That was just the end of the steroid cycle. Really? Yeah. Well, so you John know- Jones has a very marred kind of history and a very marred image. But at the end of the day, what you do in the ring is what is what's what people are going to look at, what fans are going to look at. And in that vein, he's still the greatest as far as fighting. But his his legacy is something else. Yeah, the whole debate on P, on PEDs has been, you know, through, no matter if it's baseball, football, you know, this powerlifting, wrestling. I understand performance enhancing semantics wise. Mm. It says it all right there, but you know, you can make the argument, are they, does it really make your skill better? And I guess it's a case-by-case basis, but all you know, in it's, all... It's just, funny that you brought that up. Not to interrupt you, Matt, I'm sorry. But um, you good? right there, John Jones, he said that. He he tweeted when DC was going off on a tangent on Twitter saying, oh, John Jones cheated. He, he used steroids to beat me, yada, yada. John Jones replied to him with the highlight of him head-kicking him in the... In, getting a high kick to the head he was like yo was that steroids was my high kick was you know was this set up to the head kick <laughs> steroids or was that my skill so what you just there said you right there matt is the same thing john jones is saying in his own defense so right you know, it's, it's it's a slippery slope you can go is. all day about steroids but all in all you know obviously the cleaner the better but just uh make better choices right yeah you'd rather not be caught with anything they they called it a picogram that's the that's the scientific term of what they caught in his system a picogram of peds you don't want to be caught with a picogram not a nanogram not nothing you don't want to be caught with that in your system at all mm-hmm. but if you do it definitely helps you if you have the president of usada defending you 
yeah, in a right. Joe Rogan episode, you know, so it, these things matter, you know, all these things, you know, it's up to the people to really decide at the end of the day. But um, mm-hmm. there's other stories, too, that we could get into. But, you know, we could make this whole John Jones episode, to be honest. But, you know, but yeah, there's other things. But yeah, man, it's people you know. getting making sure they're talking about him and props to him there. So why don't we now go switch gears and talk about the actual event now, UFC 288, Newark, New Jersey. And let's talk about the main event. We have the Bantamweight Championship on the line at UFC 288. Aljamain Sterling is your champion. He is going up against Henry Cejudo. And the first question here, and the big thing to find out, Alex. Yes, sir. Can Aljamain beat that ass and retain his championship? (laughs) All right, so... What I want to mention about this card off rip, the UFC 288. Well, I actually didn't know it was in Newark, New Jersey. That's actually pretty cool. You um, think you would have co- you would have planned to go if you knew earlier? It's not too far. I mean, that's the thing. I'll know about the fights and I'll be up to date on what's going on in the sport. But the actual events, I never look at the location. Sometimes they make it apparent, but I feel like they didn't mm-hmm. really make it apparent as, as apparent this time. So I don't know. That's definitely my fault for not knowing. I would have loved to have gone, <laughs> but um, but it's cool, man. It's cool. Like uh, I, I'll eventually I'll, I'll catch an event one day. I went to a Bellator event one time at the um Grand Rock Casino. That's what it's called. Where it's like a casino around here? In in Connecticut, Mohegan. Yeah, yeah, Mohegan. Oh, why did I say Grand Rock? No. <laughs> uh, Mohegan. Yeah, <laughs> Mohegan Sun. I caught a Bellator fight there, and it was pretty cool. But um, about that? one day we will catch UFC fight. We will, we will. This would have been a great opportunity, but we don't cry over spilled milk. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, it's it's a botch card because um, well, Sahudo and Sterling were always gonna fight. They were always gonna fight on this card, and it was gonna be the main, the main billing, the main main event. Um, but as far as the co-main event. That was the one that I personally was very excited for. Even though we got we got a good fight here now with with um with Bilal, but um with Bilal and um Bilal Muhammad and uh Gilbert Burns. But uh the Charles Oliveira, he's a guy from Brazil, a very, very fun, exciting fighter to see. A very skilled practitioner of jiu-jitsu, has was trained with the best guys in Brazil. Um very good striker, very good striker, and just a tough, tough guy. Like you could drop him three, four times, and he'll end up with the knockout. And he's a fan favorite because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would have been he. That's a fight that you want to see. That you, that's a fighter you want to watch. If you're bringing a friend, say I'm bringing you to a fight. That would have been an, a great fight for you to see. Someone that has balls, someone that has skills, and that's you know ready to bleed and ready to put on a show. You know, I know this sounds kind of wild, but that's just, that's the nature of the sport. We like Either it. Way. We like it. It sucks that they're not fighting because I believe Oliveira had a injury, and Benil Dariush is a is a popular guy in his own right. You know, um, he yeah. It says here Charles Oliveira withdrew for an undisclosed injury, but it is rescheduled for the next UFC two eighty nine in June. Yeah, I did hear about the um, rescheduling. You know, I, I, it's it's cool that they're still fighting because that's a really good fight too. Benio Dariush, he's a really strong fighter. 
he's actually very similar to Bilal Muhammad in the way he fights. You know, mm-hmm. um, I call it caveman striking when you're kind of like squared up and you kind of like just throwing punches coming forward, but mm-hmm. they're very it's, like a real it's art to it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it's a, it's an art to it when you do it in spurts. And, you know, these guys are still smart fighters. You know, sometimes they look kind of crazy when they swing. But, you know, these are aggressive fighters. They, they have similar styles. You know, the the guy that substituted Bino Dariush has a similar style. And um, and Gilbert Burns, the guy that's uh, replacing Charles Oliveira for their, you know, for this welterweight title. I'm um, not title fight, but welterweight belt. Um, he's from Brazil. So there's... It's kind of can't. It's kind of uncanny, uncanny. Some of the similarities um, that these two fights have, but either way, um, yeah. Focusing on this bout though, the bantamweight yeah. title. What, where do you see this direction going? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah, that's that's part of the reason why that card was botched because we we lost that fight. But back to the main event um, with Cejudo and Sterling. Now. So Hudo's coming off a three-year retirement. Um, this is a guy that, um, just to give you a background on who Henry Cejudo is, and I'll get to the champion first. I mean, the champion second. But um, Henry Cejudo, he is a guy that has a gold medal in wrestling, um, has had about, from his own admission recently, has had about, oh, I don't know about, but like over a 1,000, wrestling matches in his in his whole life not mma matches wrestling yeah true amateur wrestling yeah a a crazy amount of crazy amount of wrestling um experience so he's very technical i would i would guess oh yeah it's you know he he developed more of his skills you know throughout his mma career he's not a guy that's like undefeated like mayweather but he is a guy that um has a gold medal in wrestling you know just a gold medal in and combat sports is undeniably, you know, a great merit to have, you know, yeah. not very many fighters at all in general in any combat sport have gold medals. So, boom, you got that. Because even Ronda Rousey, she had a bronze medal. She had a bronze medal in judo. So, you know, that's still a medal. It's, you know, it's still an amazing accomplishment. But, you know, gold medal is something else. Either way, Cejudo, he has a gold medal in wrestling. He's, um, he, he saved... He saved, I, I believe it was the the featherweight division in M in, in men's MMA for the UFC. He saved that division, um, because he was he was a champion in that division after beating Demetrius Johnson, someone that's can that's very high on people's pound for pound list. Uh, he saved the division because Dana White was getting was about to get rid of the division because nobody was watching. You straight know. up get rid of it. Oh yeah, Dana White is like that. He's he's like that, bro. He's really like that. He was really gonna um get rid of the whole division. But then, you know, he fought then a guy from a bantamweight came down and fought Henry Cejudo, you know, thinking that this guy, TJ Dillashaw, the one we're talking about, uh, he was a champion at Bantamweight. He comes down, he tries, you know, he tries to take Henry Cejudo's belt. Cejudo knocks him out in like the first round immediately. Now Cejudo has two belts. So pretty much, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, from there on, he started calling himself uh, Triple C. Uh, like, two champions and a gold medal, like he's a triple champion. So he, he started going around calling himself Triple C. Uh, 
but people started calling him triple cringe because like he he makes like really cringy like jokes and like he's he's like he's one of those guys that is just like uh like it's like uh you like, kind of embarrassing you know mm-hmm. but um but uh, all that aside he's an amazing fighter he's he's like i said he's being a pound for pound great fighter in Demetrius Johnson uh he's been on a win streak he defended um he defended his title against against uh, Dominic Cruz before he retired in 2020 and he's he's trained with some of the best guys he's even with John Jones return uh I don't know if some people know but Henry Cejudo actually showed what John Jones was supposed to do to beat Surreal Gan before they fought. And John really? Jones went it. Yeah. Like he he has a YouTube channel. He posts videos and stuff and really great, great trainer. He's what Henry Cejudo has proven over the time. Even though he's a really cringy dude, he's he has an amazing combat mind. So um so yeah he was helping John Jones. He was in John Jones camp, you know, helping John Jones for his fight, his return. We all see we all see how that went. And literally Henry Cejudo is showed him exactly what to do and John Jones executed it exactly how it was. And yeah, man, you know, Cejudo's trained with Zhang Weili, uh, um, another champion, another champion, women's champion. She's a strawweight champion. So he's trained with so many champions, you know, so many great people. And now it's funny because now him and Demetrius Johnson have like a Rocky and a Apollo Creed kind of relationship where they've beaten each other and now they train with each other. That's so it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's something that, you know, they respect each other. So, you know, Cejudo is a great fighter. He's coming off a three-year retirement. Now let's talk about Aljamain. Aljamain Sterling. Um, his nickname is the Funk Master. Um, he, he's a very skilled fighter in his own right. What makes him so uh, funky? Uh, honestly, man, his his style is really weird. He he is an awkward guy. I'm not really sure why they call him Funk Master, but he has a very weird style. He like uh, not a very weird weird style, but like uh, he has very weird kind of striking. You know, like uh, but it's effective. He gets in there, you know, and he he creates angles. It's it's decent boxing, you could say. You know, um, either way, that's not even his strength. He's a wrestler too. He's a collegiate wrestler. Um, very collegiate wrestler, uh, and has he's twenty two and three. He's on an eight fight win streak. That's something that should be known. He's on an eight fight win streak. Um, this is another guy that you know they call him cringy too because like he makes kind of cringy jokes. They're both cringy dudes. It's it's really funny because Aljamain and Henry Cejudo are both cringy dudes, but they're both both very 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 well respected. You know. I shouldn't say well respected. Very, very good at their craft, and you know, part of the elite class of of the UFC. And um, pretty much, Aljamain Sterling. He he's the first ever in any weight class, in any weight class, to to win a championship by disqualification. Now, how that went is he fought a guy named Peter Yan, another guy that's at, you know, the same the same weight class bantamweight that we're talking about. The one that, you know, Henry Cejudo 
retired from, had the belt. And then Aljamain Sterling, you know, um, he fought Peter Yan, who who ended up getting the belt. And and Peter Yan was defending the belt. And Sterling happened to... or may, I think they fought for a vacant one. Either way, the belt was on the line. And Sterling ended up, you know... Peter Yan was doing very good with the striking. That's another guy that we could talk a lot about, but, you know, just to keep it on Aljamain Sterling. Uh, he was going, you know, they were, it was a decent back and forth. Peter Yan was getting the better of him at the striking. Aljamain Sterling is a collegiate wrestler with decent striking in his own right. So he was able to keep up and he was going for a takedown. I believe it was like a single leg. And then, um, and like, he wouldn't get off his knees. He wouldn't, he was trying to really bring him, drag him to the ground. So Peter Yan does an illegal move. Now, this illegal move is if your opponent has both his legs on the ground, you you can't like you can't knee him. You can't knee a downed opponent, pretty much, is kind of what the thing is. Like an opponent like that, you can't straight up knee. So what he did, he's he kind of took his head and like boom, like like that, and hit Sterling like that. I'm not going to lie, it was a nasty knee, but it's an illegal knee. So, um, yeah, that was a, that's what got Peter Yan disqualified by hitting Sterling with that illegal knee. And that's how Aljamain Sterling became the Bantamweight champion. Now, at this point, um, Aljamain Sterling has defended the title twice. You know, in combat sports, they say if if you get a championship, you're not a champion until you defend it. So if you get a belt, you got to defend it to be respected as a real champion and to be put somewhere in the history books. You got to defend it. Um, so he's defended it twice. He he rematched Peter Yan, you know, the you know, the guy that people thought like, oh, like, yeah, Peter Yan, you know, he he lost unfairly. You know, he deserves a rematch. Sterling gave him the rematch and and not and it went all five and. Sterling won. You know, he, he's kind of an awkward fighter. You know, he, he kind of used that to his advantage, the same kind of moves, the same kind of takedown um, to where Peter Young couldn't knee him illegally. So, boom. Like, either way, Sterling, you know, was able to get through that tough challenge, was able to get the rematch and beat it, and face TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw is like an injured kind of dude, so... You know, and and he's a guy that retired. He's he's kind of a scumbag. He's he's not really worth. He's a guy that got caught straight up cheating. So like, we don't like yeah. that. So yeah. once you so you mentioned the strengths and weaknesses of these two fighters. Now when they clash, who has the upper hand? Okay, so when these guys fight, you're gonna have Henry Cejudo. He's a guy that's shorter. I believe he's like five six, five seven. He's a shorter guy. He's about the same height as Peter Young. Maybe a little taller, maybe a little shorter. And they're both pretty short, like five, 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 six. Like Tory Lane's height. But like uh so we got Henry Cejudo, he's a short guy. Aljamain Sterling is is a little bit taller. I, I believe he's five ten. I believe he's five ten. But either way, um we got a guy that's uh pretty much and Henry Cejudo, a collegiate, uh, not just a collegiate wrestler, one of the best wrestlers that the UFC has ever seen. Um, a guy that's developed striking ability, you know, was able to knock out his last opponent before retiring. 
in Dominic Cruz, a guy that's been very skilled in striking himself. He's able to keep up with some of the best strikers ever. Um, when he fought Marlon Marias, he proved that he can think on the fly and make those adjustments uh, and come out with that knockout. When he fought Demetrius Johnson in the rematch, he proved that he can learn from his mistakes and come back better. He proved that. And this is this is someone that's been training with some of the best guys in the world. Henry Cejudo, if he had never retired, he would probably more than likely still have the belt with the skills that he has. He would have ran into some good fighters like um, Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanhagen, even Peter Yan. Piotr Yan would have been a, a great fight for Henry Cejudo. An amazing fight. But either way, um, uh, on any given day, Henry Cejudo could win. Could be anybody in his weight class, in any of those weight classes. So for all the betting men here and women, you would say, put your money on and say, Huda for this one to be the new champion? No. (laughs) No, Now I'm going to get to that. Now I'm going to get to that. Because Aljamain Sterling, this is a guy that has longer range. He doesn't maybe use that range too well. Because, you know, um, he's a wrestling guy. He's really just trying to get you down. And he can keep up with you with the striking and do kind of awkward strikes and get out the way, create angles, slip, and, you know, duck and dodge. It's not bad. Um, normally, but but he's not on Henry Cejudo's level in a normal in a normal sense, you know. Um, this is not someone that's considered a pound for pound guy, you know. As Henry Cejudo, he's one of four. Henry Cejudo is one of four champions fighters ever in UFC to have two belts in two divisions. So this is a legendary guy he's fighting. But we're talking about Henry Cejudo, who's off a three year retirement. Um. Got a little bit fat on their retirement, you know. Mm. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, yeah, he's been training and he has a great mind, but, you know, he's been focused on a lot of other fighters. You know, he's been having a lot of things going on outside of the cage. Um, whereas Aljamain Sterling has been on an eight-fight win streak and has been, and he's in his prime. He's been keeping on going. He's a guy that you really can't take for granted. He's a guy you can't take for granted. Normally, if Henry Cejudo wasn't coming off a of retirement, if he wasn't a little bit older, you know, he's also a little shorter, you know, and he's facing another wrestler. So the wrestling is going to almost cancel out each other, if you want to say it like that. But Aljamain also has, you know, good Brazilian jiu-jitsu ability. Um, and it's a guy that just beat Piotr Jan, one of the, one of the boogeymen of the, of the division. Um, I think Henry Cejudo, it's mostly not just the retirement, his his layoff, but it's uh it's his mindset. I think he's underestimating Aljamain. Um, the same way people underestimated Aljamain when he fought Piorian. Um, they thought Dillashaw was gonna beat Sterling. Um but you know, Aljamain Sterling ended up beating TJ Dillashaw very easily. Um So this guy Sterling knows really how to prove people wrong. Yeah, he has a track record for it. And um he's a guy that's really good. He's a guy that's really good. Um I see him I see him winning just uh, just based off of Henry Cejudo kinda, you know, underestimating him and thinking that things are sweet after three years. Like the division grew since he left, you know. And I think he's gonna find out the hard way. But I think it goes five rounds. I think it goes five rounds. 
All um, right. We like that switch up. We like that passion. Let's let's see what happens there. And uh, I'm going to give the beginners luck. Let's give it to um, the reigning champ to retain and uh, beat that ass in five rounds, like you said. That's and a fact. if he's a re- and um, maybe he can even make this guy tap out. And it'd be a lot of fun to see what happens. It really would. So this next match right here, it is it um the next match, the welterweight match, Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. Who's going fact. to embarrass who? Oh man. So this is another fight. Um with I guess you would say a caveat. Uh like I said, this is a fight that both fighters took on short notice um, to make up for us not getting Oliveira and Darius. Yeah. So it's not like um, like they're both at a disadvantage in that sense that they both just kind of took the fight on a quick short notice like that. So, uh, you know, kudos to guys that do that, you know. Um, not Somebody's saying stepping to, up. Yeah, you, you don't have to lick Dana White's balls. You don't have to do that. But, you know, being a real fighter, you know, is caring about the fans. You know, being a real professional is caring about the fans. So kudos to these guys for taking this fight when they could have just waited. They're both very dangerous guys. Very dangerous guys. I believe Bilal Muhammad is ranked number four at welterweight. And Gilbert Burns is ranked number five. So. Okay. Yeah. So this is, these are dangerous guys. These are dangerous guys. Um, let's start with Gilbert Burns. Um, Gilbert Burns is a guy that's been, you know, fought some of the best people. He's really fought some of the best people like, you know, Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, just put him in retirement. Um, has went, has, you know, has went, um, all those rounds with Usman. Uh, you know, he went five rounds with Kamza Shamayev, the boogeyman. And when I say boogeyman, that's a term in combat sports where it's like, he's a guy that's like, avoided he's a guy that's very dangerous that could really eat your food at any moment and then take your shine so we call mm-hmm. him the boogeyman um Kamza Shemaev, um went all five rounds with him in a great fight an amazing fight uh dan hooker another dude he's i think he's australian um really good kickboxer uh tyron woodley the former champ that everyone knows from getting knocked out from jake paul unfortunately. But um, when they fought, Tyron Woodley was still pretty damn good, either way. He had respect at that point. Uh, that's a fact. That's a fact, yeah. Uh, Gilbert Burns, uh, he's a really good Brazilian fighter. He's not like the typical Brazilian fighters where, like, um, he's more of a, he's more of a Vitor Belfort where he's, where he's focused on, his, he focuses on explosiveness, but he's way smarter than Vitor Belfort. Um, He's almost like a hybrid of like Anderson Silva, Vitor, and maybe even a little bit of um, Aldo, you know, uh, with like a little bit of Yoel Romero. He's he's a really good fighter, man. Like uh, he he knows how to mix things well. He, he's he's very good at striking, very good at countering, not in the awkward way like Aljamain Sterling, like in a really precise and like calculated way. Very explosive, very good with the wrestling, very good at jujitsu. Uh, but this guy just recently fought less than a month ago. 
So, you know, when you go from one training camp to another training camp in that short of a time, it's going to affect your performance. It doesn't matter who you are. It's going to affect your performance. Um, it happens all the time. Um, when people take these short notice fights, it happened with Michael Bisbing when he fought, uh, what's that guy's name? Well, after he lost to GSP, he fought Kevin Lee. No, not Kevin Lee. Um, Kevin Ferguson, I think. But um, either way, people will know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it's 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 guys that you know, they take these fights on short notice and that just recently fought. You know, they're trying to cram all these fights into a year in a short time. They're trying to get as much money as they can, maximize their income, maximize their check, and it makes sense. And that's when you think of it like that. But it's not very smart to go through a tough training camp and then to fight another dude in such a quick time and such short notice as well. So, you know, this is this is a really good guy, though. This is a guy that's fought the best, best of the best. He's fought the best of the best. Really? And, um, and gun to your head, who do you think is going to take this? Uh, you know, once again, I got to disappoint you. Because uh, after saying all those good things about him, uh, <laughs> he's... Uh, He's. I don't see him getting past Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad is a guy from Chicago. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I know he's. I know he's. He, he's a descendant of like some Middle Eastern. He might be. He might be like a descendant of Kazakhstan or Pakistan or something like that. He always has his flag in the in the ring when he fights. I'm just not very knowledgeable on fights. You know, excuse me, Bilal Muhammad. I'm sorry. Um, uh. But Bilal Muhammad is a solid fighter, man. Bilal Muhammad is a side, is is a very good fighter. This is a guy that just beat a ranked guy named Sean Brady. Um, he's ranked like number nine. But this is a guy that you know that was supposed to beat. Uh, that was supposed to beat Bilal Muhammad, and Bilal Muhammad is able to come up and you know come up and actually get a get a knockout, which he doesn't usually get. But he doesn't usually get. Um, he also doesn't usually get losses either. He hasn't lost really since 2016, um, when he oh, fought wait, a guy really? named Vicente. Yeah, since he it was a it was a guy named Vicente Luque, same guy that put Tyrone Woodley into his retirement. Um, now with Bilal Muhammad, he like like I kind of mentioned before, he, he kind of has like I call like caveman striking, where um. Where he's just kind of like waiting for his opportunity and just and just like comes forward with barrages of punches. Um, I'd say he's a little bit less watch calculated out. at it. Definitely gotta watch out. Definitely gotta watch out. Um yeah, I wouldn't say he's as calculated as, but he's he's not really a bad striker, you know. He's you know, he's able to get in and out. Uh he's very strong at wrestling. He he's a guy that's like, you know. He's a unanimous decision kind of guy. He's a guy that's usually taking fights to decision. He's not really, you know, he's not really going to knock you out usually. Um, he has some submissions, but this is a guy that has a lot of pressure. He's a volume fighter. He's a volume puncher. Um, now, when we say volume puncher, that means, like, he's throwing, he's throwing a lot of punches. You know, um, they might not be the, the fastest or the most powerful, but he's throwing a lot at him and he's coming forward. 
with a lot of pressure. Uh, he has a great chin. And this is a guy that hasn't lost in a while. Like I said, you know, um, he's ranked a little bit above Gilbert Burns. I would watch out. I would watch out, you know. Um, I think in this fight, you got to take Bilal Muhammad. This is a guy that's that's proven, has a lot of pressure. And, you know, when you put pressure on some cracked glass, it's going to break. So right now, Gilbert Burns is kind of like some cracked glass right now where, you know, he, he just came off of a fight. Yeah, he's going to go Super it. Saiyan. Yeah, I'll be an easy victory, but yeah, you know, yeah, like Bilal Muhammad is you can't you can't underestimate him, man. You can't underestimate him. So I got Bilal Muhammad winning. All right, I'll pick Burns to be the opposite just because so it'd be a good fight with that. It'll and... be worth it. I mean, that would be amazing. Just want to put it in there. If Burns actually did make this quick of a turnaround and ended up beating Bilal Muhammad, another ranked guy. And was simply Burns outside is... after that. Burns, yeah, Burns, he's saying already that um, if he wins this fight, Dana White has told him that he's the backup for Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, which is, Leon Edwards is a champion of that weight division. He's ranked number one. No, so he's got Colby a lot Covington's, of proof. Yeah, Colby Covington's ranked the number one, and then the champion is Leon Edwards, so he's above number one. So, boom. Like, uh, so yeah, if, if Burns wins, he could potentially... You'll potentially be a fill-in if something happens between Kobe Covington and Leon Edwards. And and then Bilal Muhammad, he's saying, oh, yo, like, if I win, I better get a title shot. I'm not a substitute. Like, he just said it at the press conference today. He was like, yeah, like, I better get a title shot. I'm not no substitute. Like, you, really you, know, earn, you really earn your title shots. And in WWE, all they do is say, yo, I'm going to fight you for the championship. That's it. <laughs> Word. And a like, little different yeah. in the UFC. Yeah, like, and I guess it's probably PPV numbers too. Where, you know, McGregor, you know, talking about re- wrestling, like Conor McGregor really is like a, a wrestling character brought into the MMA world. Uh, like, he's just like, like he, he the banter, like the he's legit always talking promo about work. Yo, the legit promo work. He is really a wrestler. Like it's it's amazing, you know. Like um It's funny. Yeah, much respect to them guys. That too, would man. be someday if they if WWE and him ever came together, even for a one off, but we'll see if that happens. And the last match we'll discuss for this main card, the woman's strawweight battle. Jessica Andrade Andrade or Andrade. Andrade. Jessica Andrade versus Jan Zianan. Yep. Uh, Yan, Zian, Zinan, Zinan. Yeah. Yan Zinan. So. All right, let's try it again. Jessica and Drajvers, Yan Zinan, woman straw weight. All right, I don't know these two women, but I'm sure they're they're cool as fuck. I saw them. They're badass. They look badass. Don't want to mess with them. Who's gonna win this battle between these two badass women? Yan Shanan. My bad. I had to hear it one more time. Yan Shanan. Sorry All about right. that. I'm gonna Uh-oh. pick her right away because uh she she wins the name theory on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, that was a battle in itself to really figure that out for Americans like us and stuff. Oh boy. Like, well, I mean, well, here's the thing. Two things right off bat. It's a beautiful thing that we got, you know, a fighter coming out of China and we got another fighter coming out of Brazil. And they're both women. 
and they're both badass and they're both ranked. You know, they're both Yan Janan, maybe not as proven, but just came off a really good win off of Mackenzie Dern. Uh, whereas Jessica Andrade is like, I think she's ranked like number eight or nine in the pound for pound rankings for women. Like, um, it's really cool to see, you know, two two fighters that speak different languages that are women that are coming together in a co-main event. You know, part of the headline. It's it's amazing. You know, it's this this sport has come a long way. Um, we're not talking about Ronda Rousey anymore. We're talking about new fighters. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. You know, Dana White at one point was saying that he would never, never allow women to fight in the UFC. And now, you know, we got these Typical co-main events with women now. It's it's now it's a typical thing. It's cool. It's Love amazing. To see it. That's a fact. Now to get into them, um Wian Xiaonan, uh let's start with her. Um and uh this is the it's a good flow switch up too, since I kind of caught you off guard with the other two. So I won't catch you off guard as much with this one. But Yan Xiaonan, Chinese fighter, they're fighting at 115. That is Women's strawweight division, and she's she's a pretty good fighter. She she's been training with some with some guys some guys named Team Alpha, Team Alpha Male. It's a it's a gym. I believe it's out in California. It's owned by a guy named Uriah Faber, who's an MMA legend in his own right. Um, there's guys like uh, Corey Garbrandt there, uh, Gunnar Nelson few other fighters they got a lot of fighters there um but guys that you could really learn from you know guys that have been around the sport forever um she just recently got up with them to get better with her takedown defense and stuff um these are the kind of things that people don't look into you know when you're looking into a fight I gotta tell you real quick when you're looking into a fight bro there's a lot of things you gotta look into you gotta look into recent you know recent history you know uh stylistic matchups you got to look at, you know, um, overall circumstances. Like, is it a short notice fight or where are they fighting? Are they fighting in Mexico where the elevation is higher? I uh, see, I see. And, and you got to think about who the coaches are, what kind of coaches, you know, what kind of what kind of training they got going on. Are they working with, like, you know, experts in wrestling, experts in striking? You know, it's things like that. You know, people don't take into, take into account when – they're thinking about these bets and, you know, thinking about their predictions and thinking about fights, you know, uh, a trainer could change how a fighter completely operates, you know? And, uh, and I think we're kind of seeing that with Jeanan where she's getting this takedown defense, you know, she's able to defend 70, 70% of her takedowns, you know, that are attempted on her, which is a pretty damn good number for someone that's usually a striker. And, you know, as far as like Chinese fighters are still pretty new to the game as far as at the elite level that we're seeing them at, you know, Zhang Weili is the champion of this division of the strawweight division. So that's another fighter from China. That's absolutely killing it. Um, Xiaonan is a striker kind of like Zhang Weili, but more patient. She's, she's a very good striker, you know, very well composed and you know knows how to move around the octagon uh, has a pretty good jab you know 
but she's patient. She's not someone that's going to go out there and try to get the kill like Andrade's um, or Chris Cyborg or even Shevchenko, which um, even Shevchenko is is a problem, even though she's a weight class. I believe she's weight class under, but either way. Um, yeah, we we got someone that's, you know, really good at judo as well. You know, someone that is able to use her judo and fights to turn the tide and someone that's pretty well-rounded and is coming up the rankings and just came off a good win. So that leads us to Jessica Andrade. I believe it's Andrade or Andrade. Either way. Um, this is a this is a girl that has a record of 24 and 10. She has about 34 MMA fights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you hear... See, when you hear a record like that in boxing, it's not that impressive. But when you hear a record like that in MMA, it is impressive. Because it shows you've been fighting for a long time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, MMA fights, you know, like, they take a lot out of you, you know? So to have more than, like, even 20 fights is like, okay, you've been around for a while. Now, when you're getting up to, like, over 30 fights, and yeah, you've been around. You've been around. So she's, a, she's one of the GOATs. Now, if... I remember correctly, just to make sure I'm not giving you no BS. She is the first woman fighter to gain a knockout in three weight divisions. All right. So she's got the hands. Yeah, she has a history of having the hands. And she's been giving these hands out in different divisions uh, for a little while has fought some of the best fighters out there. Like, she's literally fought some of the best fighters out there. Um, she she fought a, a girl named Rose Damahunas, who's another really good fighter. Um, just to give you a testament to her ability in jiu-jitsu alone, um, she was able to reverse a Kimura attempt. A Kimura is kind of like a, it's a type of choke. And I'm not I'm I'm not much of a jujitsu practitioner. I only know a few chokes, but the Kimura choke is a really nasty choke. Um, it starts with grabbing the wrist. I know that's where the beginning point kind of goes, but um, but um, Jessica Andrade is, has able has been able to reverse a Kimura and been able to slam a girl on her damn head Ooh, and knock wow. her out. Yeah, this is a girl that's raw, like super raw, and been around the block. And just to, just a you know just coming from that Brazilian cloth is you know says a lot about you as well. Now, when it comes to these two, it's it's another caveat. I, I would say it's another caveat um, because the fight is being fought at strawweight. Now, this Yan Xiaonan, this is her natural weight class. Um, Jessica Andrade has been jumping through weight classes for a little while. She didn't have much success at flyweight, so she's coming back to strawweight. And even though she's been around the block, she's in the pound for pound rankings for women right now. And is a very technical, aggressive fighter. I believe she might be the favorite as far as betting odds go. Um, but uh, the problem with that is when you fluctuate in weight, it could really mess with your body. It happened to Roy Jones Jr. You know when he when he went all the way up to heavyweight from like super middleweight and stuff. 
And, you know, it happens to other fighters, you know, like even Chad Dawson when he fought Andre Ward. And we're talking about boxing, but either way, just examples of how fluctuating between weight can really mess your career up. Um, she just came off a bad loss, whereas Yan Xiaonan just came off a good win. Um, this is her natural weight class, whereas Andrade is coming back to the weight class. Uh, I feel like Andrade is becoming war-torn, you know? I feel like she's been, you know, through, through some battles, and I think she's trying to find her place back at, you know, straw weight because she's had success against Rose Namahunas, who's like, who's ranked above above both of them right now. So this is really a, a big fight for her career to prove something. I would say so for both, for both, you know, because Yan Jonan wins this, then she just beat, you know, a, a pound for pound women's fighter. You know, mm-hmm. that's a hell of a name to put on your resume. After Mackenzie Dern, someone that's been another Irish girl that's been promoted pretty heavily. Um, and Jessica Andrade, she's she's trying to, you know, she's trying to, you know, reclaim glory. And, and you know, it gets tough. Those, you know, those roads back to glory get tough. And I think for Andrade, I think the weight change is going to be a little too much. She's shorter than Jeanan. Um I would say a little bit more sloppier with her with her um striking too whereas Jonathan is more patient. All right, and, some uh, pretty textbook stuff though. And uh I'm going to go with Jan for this one. I believe in her. I believe in her. Me too. She's probably going to take it um all 5 rounds. I see all 3 of these fights going 5 rounds to be honest. I don't really see any knockouts happening. If there right. were to be a knockout to happen, it would it would probably be either Andrade knocking out Jan or Cejudo getting a knockout on Sterling. I don't I don't see or Bilal could, you know, you know, Gilbert Burns could really supremely crumble under that pressure. And, you know, and Bilal could put him out just like he put out Sean Brady in his last outing. But for the most part, I if you're a betting man, don't bet on don't bet on knockouts for none of these main events. Just bet on the, the wins. And I would say we got Sterling gonna defend. He's gonna defend his title. I would say Bilal Muhammad is going to be a pretty tired uh, Gilbert Burns. And I believe Jan Janan is going to prove that she belongs in that weight class. And she's going to be the Andrade who's been, you know, trying to find her place back in the game. All right. So this is going to be a pretty stacked card, Dolo. I think we're going to, this is a good place to start for us. Um, Hit the John Jones stuff, hit the card. Is there anything else you want to mention regarding UFC or MMA at the moment? I do want to talk about this. Um, That's good. Luke, Luke Rockhold versus Mike Perry. Um, they fought in Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Mike Perry and Luke Rockhold are both ex-UFC fighters. Luke Rockhold had the Bare belt Knuckle Fighting Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I kind of glossed over that. Kind of, kind of went by that really quickly. Uh, but um, I'm gonna get back to that very shortly. Um, Luke Rockhold had a belt in UFC. Um, I believe he fought like heavyweight or middleweight. No, I think it was middleweight. I think it was middleweight. Um, either way, he had a belt in the UFC. Um. Didn't really, you know, I kind of told you before, you got to kind of defend that belt for people to really call you that. Um, he didn't really defend it. He he lost it against Michael Bisming. And then, um, 
And then pretty much, yeah, like, but he still had a belt, so you still got to call him a champion. Um, and Mike Perry's just a guy that he's he's a some would call would call call him the typical Floridian, mm-hmm. where he's kind of just nuts, where he kind of just is crazy. He has that label where he's just like nuts. He's out of his mind. Um, uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, he 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 takes liberties and talking a certain way. Uh, I don't want to, you know, don't want to have have you censor anything, so I, I won't say exactly how he talks. But you know, um, he talks very. He's, he talk, he's a trash talker. Yeah, he's he, he's he's a trash talker. He talks street, um, and like uh, some people call him like the. It's, it's funny because like some people just call him a hood fighter. Like he's just a hood fighter. And there's a joke that kind of goes around with Mike Perry. And mind you, I'm saying, you know, I'm starting off with the jokes because Mike Perry is really, he's a, he's a really ferocious striker. He's a really ferocious striker. Um, I wouldn't say the most calculated, but he's really not bad. You know, he's helped Jake Paul in training. He's He's been Jake Paul's sparring partner, you know, after the UFC. Um, he's had some good scraps. He's a guy that literally, I could show, I could show you better than I could tell you. Mike Perry is a type of person that fights like a pit bull and literally no matter what injury he has, he's going to keep on going and he's going to want to fight. He's just someone that is just a gladiator at heart. Um, although he's kind of a, you know, he's, he's kind of seen as an idiot how he talks, but this guy has heart. Look at his fit. Look at his face. Do you see that picture? I can see. Explain to the viewers who are listening to this, though. I see it from here, and anyone watching YouTube, but looks like he just got his face bashed in, and he's still going, right? Yeah, man. It is yeah that that nose is kind of hard to see with the brightness, but his nose is bent all the way to the left of his face, or or in this picture it would be to the right. His nose bridge is literally is like um is like a greater than sign. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that has literally like fought through broken noses, doesn't stop going, and and couldn't find success in UFC per se, but was able to go into bare knuckle fighting championships right after UFC. Um, where he's actually found success, he's actually the champion at his weight class in bare knuckle fighting. <laughs> so it's you know it's been it's oh, been a kind of crazy turnaround. But it's a turnaround nonetheless. Like, I've always been the kind of person where I've looked at bare knuckle fighting. And I'm going to mm-hmm. get back to the fight real quick, but I want to say this real quick. I've always looked at bare knuckle fighting as like kind of a hillbilly sport. <laughs> they would talk about it in the past before, too. Bare knuckle fighting, excuse me, they would have tournament, bare knuckle fighting tournaments in Ireland where these guys would, you know, get drunk and really just fight for like, wooden belts like weird stuff like that like you know when they talk about the fighting irish that's where it comes from these dudes used to literally just fight bare knuckle for fun they're friends and that's how they got down um like uh with bare knuckle fighting i've i guess recently with this last showing when luke pitt when luke rockhold and mike perry fought a lot of stars came out yeah kamaru uzman the the former welterweight champion come out you had conor mcgregor come out um then you had another two fighters that were on the undercard or the co-main event 
Chad Mendez and Eddie Alvarez, two monsters in their own right. Two guys that both got knocked out by Conor McGregor, I might add. But um, but two guys in their own right that are amazing fighters, that used to be amazing fighters in UFC. Um, they went at it too. There was more people, you know. I, I, I'm trying to think. It was, it was a star-studded crowd. Just the fact that they had Conor McGregor there is big on its own. Um, and maybe, maybe the star power has kind of like persuaded me to accept it a little more. Mm-hmm. And like the success of it all, but honestly, man, when it comes to bare knuckle fighting, that's you you find you can find things in like hieroglyphics and like you know old Egyptian stuff and old documents from the past from all types of eras where boxing was a competition that people did. Right back then, it was like I believe it was bare knuckle. I think there there were some eras where like some places in the world where they did have some type of padding on their hands and they would just like fight for fun or like as competition. Yeah. Obviously you got the gladiators and stuff like that. And Japan, the samurais and the wild west where they had the gun duels and stuff, but boxing man to man, hand to hand combat is the purest form of competition. It's one, it's one of the reasons that MMA fans be our MMA fans. We believe that this is the purest form of competition. One man against one man, will versus will, knowledge versus knowledge. So who wins, who falls, who stands up, you know? Um, and bare knuckle boxing is that. It, it really is the bare bones of what we see MMA as today, of what we see boxing particularly as today. It all started with your hands. That's all you had at one point. And, still uh, brutal. I just want to say still if- brutal. Yeah, I wonder if maybe it will, if it'll catch on. And uh, what do you think? Do you watch. think that's something that will catch on? What do you think? I think it'll be a, some twit. It'll be some TikTok. It'll be like TikTok famous, <laughs> and like trends like that way, like showing little videos. I don't know if we'll see. Yo, we'll to, to continue kid. about it, I'm, I'm about to interrupt you, Matt. It's funny that you say it like that because Luke Rockhold, when Mike Perry and Luke Rockhold fought, fought the the two big stories were one. Um, Mike Perry knocks Luke Rockhold's veneers out of his like his like his top three teeth right here, like completely shattered this way, like ha, ah. you know, just bone meeting bone, and that was pretty crazy. You know, that must have been expensive to get them veneers fixed. Luke Rockhold actually got them fixed like the next week after. Um, oh, and man. the second, be strong, was, boy. Yo, gotta boy. be strong. Yeah, take them painkillers, man. You you know you got to do something. I, hopefully, you know you put that on your credit card or something. Cause, hey, I mean, shoot, honestly, his his the money he probably earned from the fight went to his teeth, which is pretty bad. Oh, but he, but like you know, Conor McGregor getting in there, you know, showing love to to Mike Perry was pretty cool. Mike Perry was you know someone that was at a very low point in his life, you know, getting into bar fights. You know, like losing fights in the UFC he was on like a five, six fight losing streak before he got X'd out the company. And he becomes the champion of bare knuckle fighting and then gets some promo with Conor McGregor. Like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, you know, shouts to Mike Perry, man. You know, just to, just to shows you, man, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the, in the world. You don't got to even be the smartest guy in the room. But you can make some money and you can find success in this world. And Mike Perry is a great testament to that. And that was one of the big reasons I wanted to talk about the bare knuckle thing. 
Well, we'll, that, we'll be know, on the lookout for it. We'll, we'll be on the lookout for it. And there's some great comeback stories there. But Dolo, we've been killing it. UFC 288 is going to be a special one. And let us hope these predictions pan out. And let us see where this all unfolds. But we appreciate this, Dolo. And um, we'll catch you for the next one. And, and uh, thanks for coming on. That's a fact, man. I'm I'm glad you're introducing, you know, MMA and combat sports to the to the platform. And I'm and I'm honored to be the one to chauffeur it in. And yeah, man, thank you for thank you for the time, man. You know, you know how we do. We're gonna keep killing it. Shout out to the basketball crew. Shout out to the NFL crew. Shout out to the college ball crew. <laughs> and shout out to the past, present, and future guests of this platform. Toast to <laughs> success, man. I appreciate you, man. Now we're adding MMA to it. All right, Dolo, we appreciate you, and we'll see you soon. That's the great Dolo Ren, everybody. Don't forget to check out UFC 288 on pay-per-view on Saturday night. Coming from Newark, New Jersey. Alex DeJesus, not only talented behind the scenes, but when he is on the air, he knows what he's doing. Great job, my friend. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. At Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at Prod Convo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Also, check us out on Facebook at Productive Conversations there, or check me out, Matt Brown, Digital Creator. So we are back next week. We are back at it with the NBA playoffs. We are going to talk about the midpoint in the conference quarterfinals, the second round. And this has been a very entertaining NBA playoffs so far within the first two games. Nixon Heat tied at one going to Miami. And we'll see if Jimmy Butler comes back to be a factor in the series. It seems that the Nuggets took care of the Suns at home pretty easily as well. Just two wins away from getting to the next round there. And can Kevin Durant make it with Aiton and Booker? It looks like Chris Paul is out and we'll see if he comes back. The Celtics and the Sixers are tied at a game apiece. After Harden kills it in game one, Joel Embiid returns in game two. Seems like the Celtics were not losing game two under any circumstances, and they absolutely killed it last night. And then we also have the Lakers and Warriors. Lakers up one game to zip. Anthony Davis, as long as you have Anthony Davis playing like the cerebral assassin he is when he is healthy and doesn't have any factors pushing him away, and then you have a motivated LeBron James, anything really is possible with them. Lakers up one game to zip. We'll see if the reigning champions can win game two tonight. And then we'll check in over the weekend and see where things are going. So check us out on Tuesday with our next NBA postseason pod. And then we're back at it a week from today with a new regular productive conversation, which you do not want to miss. But I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. It is the first weekend in May. We have the Kentucky Derby taking place. Let's see if Forte the favorite can. And, uh, start his bout to history see if he can win the Kentucky Derby we have that going on this weekend again UFC 288 WWE Blacklash in Puerto Rico um Hopefully we have the baseball teams in New York turning it around Knicks game 3 on Saturday and yeah 
let's sit back and relax and it's getting warmer and it's time to go outside and smell that fresh, fresh spring air. So let's make the most of it. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I want to thank Alex DeJesus for what he does behind the scenes and what he did contributing to the MMA show today. I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world for always supporting us. And I hope everybody makes great use of their time this weekend don't forget to check in on your friends and family and i'll see you next week on tuesday all right much love everybody have a great weekend peace